the redeemer of our life. He didn't just give his life for us. He gave his life to us. Amen. 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 Glory to the king. Y'all look so good sitting there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why don't you open up to the book of Joel this morning, chapter 2. Welcome everybody on live stream, on podcast. Glad you could join us today, wherever you may be, in the state, in the country, or in the world. It's always good to join together and know that there is no distance in the spirit and the anointing of God is right there with you, just like with us. Amen. 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 Glory to God. So whether you're in the room or on live stream or podcast, just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord. I open myself up to you to hear from heaven, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord Jesus, I know you walk in our midst. You are head of the church, and we reverence you as the head of the church. We give honor to you. Thank you for being with us and allowing us to be with you. I'm ready to hear. I'm open to hear. Because one word from you will change my life, change my thinking, change my perspective, and I don't ever have to be the same. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, in Joel chapter 2, I want to read verses 12 and 13, and then we're going to read verses 18 and 19. Joel chapter 2, 12 and 13. <clears throat> Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them, and I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. Hallelujah. You know, repentance from the heart always moves God. He'll never deny a contrite heart. Isn't that right? He will always pour out upon those that walk uprightly before him. When we return to him and return to his ways, he will be zealous for us. Glory to God. He'll have compassion. He'll have mercy. And his concern will turn towards us. He said that he'll send grain, new wine, and oil. You know, grain, new wine, and oil was always signs of revival. Amen. And to revive actually means to live. You know, if you're not revived, you're not really living. You might be breathing. You might be existing, but living. Jesus said he came to give us abundant life. It's living, living the life that he has given to us. Amen. It's a restoration or a rebuilding of our life and our well-being. Hallelujah. It is his gracious work for his people. And this is what he wants to do for us. It's what he wants to do for you. It's what he wants to do for me. Revive. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, grain, new wine, and oil. Grain is corn that is cleansed from the chaff. And when our life gets cleansed of the chaff, we can start increasing with right attitudes and right motivations, having the proper agenda in our life. Now, we've talked about this. In fact, this is our 16th week, and this is actually the last week that we're going to be talking in the area of finances. 16 weeks is enough to digest. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, when we, as we've looked at in the past weeks, when increase comes to us, there has to be the right motive behind it. And there has to be the right attitude in handling what God has given to us. In fact, God used, I mean, a lot of people don't like to talk about money, but yet Jesus said money is the test of your life. He said that. He said, if I can't trust you with unrighteous mammon, if I can't trust you with money, plain old stinking money, if I can't trust you with that, how can I ever trust you with the true riches? And how we handle money is the test of what he can give us and what he can impart to us. And that's in red, so I didn't make that up. So the next thing was new wine. You know, new wine, wine is an intoxication which possesses the brain. And you always choose to drink, don't you? Nobody force feeds you, <laughs> you know. But what did the Word of God tell? Uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesus church, and he said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled or be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? So, therefore, it is a life that's saturated with Christ that starts at the new birth. Because when you got born again, you were born of the Spirit. Isn't that right? Amen. So, he's telling you, be saturated in that life. Hallelujah. See, the life of Christ is not designed to um, be a part of your life on Sunday morning or midweek service or just kind of fit into your schedule someplace. It's designed to be your life and that everything in your life should proceed out from your life with Christ. Isn't that right? It's just like Martha and Mary. You know, Martha was busy, 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 busy. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha was a little ticked off. And she tries to manipulate Jesus. Don't you see I'm here working? Why don't you just tell my sister to come help me? And he, what did Jesus say? Martha, Martha, Martha. You're just so worried and busy about so many things. But Mary chose the good part. Now, she didn't choose the only part. She chose the good part. Why? Because everything you do should proceed from the feet of Jesus. There is a doing, and you ought to be doing but it comes from that life in Christ. Amen. And then the next thing was oil. And oil was specifically for producing light. That's what they used oil for in the lamps to produce light. And it's the same word, oil, the same word that's translated anointing. Being filled with the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel with power on the earth and being a light to the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the only reason you're here. You're not here just to be good looking. <laughs> part of it. I like that part, tell you the truth. <laughs> Especially when I'm looking at you, Mama. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, excuse us. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we are here for that purpose of spreading the gospel, being a light to the world. Isn't that right? Now, we all have different places, different functions, but it's all to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Now, verses 21 to 24, here in the book of Joel, chapter 2, 21 to 24, it says, Do not fear, O land, rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Oh, hasn't he done great things? Do not fear, beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green, for the tree has borne its fruit, the fig tree and the vine have yielded in full. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication, and he has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain, as before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 24. And the threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Glory to God. So he said he's given us the early rain, And he said the early rain was for our vindication. Now, some translation says the early rain was given to you moderately. But the actual Hebrew word translates to vindication. Okay? And it has to do with righteousness. It's about a righteous relationship with the Lord. Because what makes a relationship righteous is when each party looks to fulfill the expectations of one another. That's what makes a... A, a relationship righteous, okay? A right relationship is a righteous relationship. And when he says about the vindication is the early reign was the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? The same Hebrew term is referred to in the book of Romans. That means when an individual who was involved in litigation, was not guilty of breaking a given law, he was declared righteous or right. Well, this is God's righteousness and God's vindication, which is paramount to a Christian's life, that we have been vindicated by the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of what we did, dear God. (laughs) No, it's because of what he did. He bought our sin. He shed his blood. He went into hell and paid the price for our sin so that we could be Released to whoever would receive him, believe on him, would not perish in an eternal death, but have eternal life. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. So he was the early rain that came for our vindication. All right. By his blood and by his faith and our acceptance of his sacrifice, he has made us righteous in spirit. Isn't that what it tells us in Corinthians? He who knew, he made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And when you got born again, there was that imputed righteousness into your spirit, that your spirit man, the real you, the eternal part of you became righteous. Isn't that right? Amen. So now we can make our life to be a relationship of righteousness. In Ephesians 1, 3, it says, he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we know that everything that's in the heavens is in our account that we can withdraw and use it right here on the earth. Amen. So, you know, being saved is the number one step, but it's not the end all. Being saved is only the beginning. Because now that you're saved, everything that God's blessed you with, you can have it touching your natural life. And it ought to be. The things of God is not for someday, some way, somehow, in the by and by, when we get to heaven. No, it's for right now. Well, I don't know if that's God's will for me. Read the Bible. Everything in the Bible is God's will for you. There's no partiality with God. He will always honor faith. Faith is what touches that realm and pulls into our natural life, the things that God's prepared for us. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law so that you could be a partaker of the promise and the provision of the Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit came, he came as the executor of the estate. There is never a will unless a person dies. When a person dies, the will is executed. Jesus died and the will is executed. And the Holy Spirit came as the executor of the estate to bring to us and show us what our inheritance is all about and what belongs to us. Whatever Jesus paid the price for belongs to us. Everything in the Bible is for everybody, whosoever will believe it. You know, I've talked with people. I mean, I remember when I had my automotive business, and next door to me, there was a guy that had a uh, heavy truck uh, uh, repair shop. And I would talk to him, and he was a Christian guy, and I would talk to him about the Word of God and talk to him about prosperity in the Word. And he'd say, well, I don't believe that. And I'd say, well, then you never have to worry about it. You don't. When he went out of business, you didn't have to worry about it. You understand? It's just like an unbeliever. Well, I don't believe in Jesus. Okay. Your life, your choice. It's the same thing with everything. Same thing with healing, prosperity, peace, uh, relationships, being free of depression and oppression, being free of all the works of the devil that Jesus has unbound us and untied us from. And it's all up to our choice that whosoever believes. That's how you got saved, wasn't it? Whosoever believes. That's how you got saved. Well, that's how you live in the kingdom. That's life in the kingdom. Amen. God doesn't have prosperity for Bobby, but Debbie, sorry, you're out. Barbara, you might get a little bit. Bill, I'm not too sure about you. You know, God's not out there dishing things out. He says, here it is. Here's the banquet table. And by faith, you can step up and take hold of whatever it is you need. Listen, I know people that live in some of the most deplorable conditions. They have been sick with, actually, with HIV since the late 80s, early 90s. And I can't, you, you see him, and he's about like half dead walking over. But you know what? He's still walking. Why? Because he said, the devil is not going to kill. I'm not going to let the devil kill me. I'm going to take hold of that word of God. I'm believing God what he says. The rest of his life is a mess, but bless God, he's still up and going. Because that's what he believes. Amen. Amen. 
I said, amen. Amen. You know, God's just not in control of your life. If he did, he's doing a real bang-up job, isn't he? God was in control of your life. You know, half of the things that, that people say that God does, if he was actually on the earth today, they would arrest him for being mentally deranged. Killing people, breaking their legs, destroying stuff on the earth. Oh, that's God's will. You know, he brought that tornado. Oh, he brought that hurricane. Oh, God brought that. You talking really bad about my daddy. There's no truth to that. None at all. Jesus came to give us an abundance of life. He came to give us an inheritance. God is good. He's always good. He's only good. There's no shifting shadow with him. If you, being the evil person you are, know how to do good to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to do good? God is not mysteriously good. God is good. Well, you know, his ways are mysterious. No, what happens to your socks in the dryer is more mysterious than God. I don't know what happens to those socks. Where do they go? And the dryer only takes one just to know, lets you know, I got the other side. You remember that one? You're looking for that one, aren't you? I got it. You know, I, I don't know where it goes. That's a mystery to me. God's not a mystery. Because he wrote it down in his word so that we can know. Things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and have not entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those that love him. But to us, he's revealed it by the Spirit. Hallelujah. So Jesus being the early rain, and then there's the latter rain. And the latter rain is as before or at first. Now Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come didn't he? And he called the Holy Spirit another comforter, another helper, which means one that is exactly like me. Because we know what? There are three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. All three are in perfect harmony and agreement. And the Holy Spirit is one just like Jesus, exactly the same. So the latter rain is the same as the early rain, only it comes in stronger measures. The early and latter rain are the same. Both are wet, Both are rain, both are water, and both come down. They're just poured out in different measures. Isn't that right? Amen. So, latter rain, early rain, same as before, only stronger. When Jesus was on the earth, if he was at the Sea of Galilee and you were in Capernaum, you're out of luck. If he was in Jerusalem and you were at Galilee, you're out of luck. But now the Holy Spirit is every place. And he lives in you. Amen. Glory to God. The latter rain brings a bountiful harvest of grain, new wine, and oil. And it's all part of God's redemption that's provided for us. The threshing floors will be full. Not a a piece of, a, a little bit of, full of grain. And the vats will overflow more than enough with new wine and oil. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 102. Psalm 102, verses 12 through 18. Psalm 102. Glory to God. How do you like all the church decorations? Didn't they do a great job? 
Psalm 102, verses 12 through 18. It says, But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord has built up Zion and he has appeared in his glory. And he has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. And this will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Well, that's written to us. We are part of the generation that was to come. Isn't that right? Amen. And therefore, we need to know that God's having compassion and being gracious to Zion. You know, when uh, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how you have come to Mount Zion, the church of the firstborn, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? So when he's talking about Zion, we know Zion was another name for Jerusalem, but he's also looking ahead to the church. The church has kept her appointment and stepped into the appointed time. Zion is built up and God regards the prayers of Zion. We're living in the times of the Lord's grace and favor that is unlimited. It's unmerited and unlimited. The unlimited riches of his grace and his glory. Hallelujah. Those are the days we live. It says where the favors of God profusely abound. But he's given us the avenue of faith to connect with the grace. How did you get saved? By grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Salvation, faith, grace. He's given it to us so that we can take hold of what he's provided for us. Well, why doesn't he just pour it out on us? Because he doesn't have authority on the earth. He doesn't. He gave that to man, remember? He said that in the garden. Have dominion upon the whole earth. Amen. And he gave man free will to choose. You notice that when the serpent was tempting Adam and Eve, God didn't come down and move the serpent out of the way and say, get out of here, you can't. No, that was Adam's job, and Adam didn't take his position. That's why women don't trust men. <laughs> are you sure you're doing that right? Are you sure this is right? You, you, know, you, you, you know the story. <laughs> Not you. You would never do that. <laughs> so he's given us faith to connect to grace. His grace that pours out upon us. Amen. Go back over to Joel. Joel chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Joel chapter 2, 18 through 20. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. And the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'm going to send you grain, new wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them, and I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove the northern army far from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rear guard into the western sea, and its stench will arise, and its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. 
So again, he's declaring the outpouring of grain, new wine, and oil, which is revival. And notice what he said, he is zealous for his land. Now, we understand the theological significance of this, and we know about Israel, right? But what about today? Hasn't the word been written to generations to come? So what about today? What do we know about America? America is God's land. He sent people here to discover it. Isn't that right? And then he got people together, and they founded this land on godly principles. Amen. It was all founded on godly principles. I don't care what people want to tell you, all the lies they want to tell you. This land, when, when the founding fathers, in fact, if you want to know the truth, go to wallbuilders.org and find out some truth. But when they, the founding fathers were working on the uh, uh, Constitution and, and all that for the country to establish the land, <clears throat> when they would get into a fuss or when they couldn't come to an agreement about something, they'd go to take off for the weekend and go to church. They didn't go out and play golf. Oh, I need a break. I got to go play some golf. They didn't go play golf. They went to church and got things right and allowed the Lord to direct them. Amen. Well, were they perfect? No, they're kind of like you and me. Can you hear from God? Perfectly? Just like them. So quit whining. They did the best they could. Kind of like your mommy and daddy did the best they could. And just like you with your kids did the best you could. Perfect? No. Amen. So today, America is his land, been founded by God, established on his principles and on his law. Armies, now he said about the armies, I think that was in uh, 20, yeah, the northern army, okay? Armies are directed. Armies are not on their own out there. They are directed by politics and governments. That's who directs armies, okay? So if the army is removed, so is the political and the governing influences. I don't care if they're armies in military garb. I don't care if they're driving tanks or if they come in the form of Antifa. An army is an army. And they're run by politics and government, and they're going to be removed. And that's what's going on in this day. We're getting the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. Even before the end times and the theological ending. But you know, revelation is progressive. It's not just for this point and only this point. It's progressive. So if there's anything progressive you want to get involved in, get involved in the word. It's very progressive. And doing this, removing the armies, can only be accomplished by the hand of God. But it's done by the hand of God through men that will obey him. Men that will follow, follow him because he is zealous for his land. And it's up to the church to pray. To pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Verses 25 through 27. 
And then I will make up for you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. And you will have plenty to eat and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. Well, these are the times that we live in, the making up of the years for us. Amen. Not only making up the years for us, but making up for the years of captivity that this nation has dealt with and bringing great freedom. Amen. And he wants to bring plenty into our life because there's going to be an economic reversal. That's what Joel's talking about. It's the wealth of the world coming into the righteous, just like Proverbs says. You know, the wealth of the world coming into the righteous is not when you get to heaven. You don't need no wealth of the world when you get to heaven. You'll have the wealth of heaven. (laughs) You know, you don't need any wealth of the world in heaven. Don't shout me down. The Lord deals wondrously with us and keeps us from being put to shame. But we got to stay on his side, walking in his ways. Staying close to him. And we'll always be victorious. Always. No matter what goes on out there in that screwed up world, you'll always be victorious over it. Amen. You're ahead and not the tail, above and not beneath. You don't have to walk and go down that flow of that river that's going down the toilet. You can walk above it. Walk on the water. Amen. Verse 28 and 29. (laughs) Uh, and it says, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. I woke up with a dream this morning. <laughs> your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So this is not just a move of God. It's an outpouring. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is not going to be limited to pockets of places, but it's going to be all over the world. Amen. Not only being baptized in the Spirit, but full, full of the Spirit. You know, it's one thing that you possess the Holy Spirit, but it's another thing to allow the Holy Spirit to possess you. Amen. It's a harvest of oil is what it is. A harvest of oil. The Lord is visiting his church with a pouring out of his Spirit. And comes with signs of bountiful harvest in these last of the last days. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we see the the armies being removed, which is the governments and politics and everything that's behind the armies. We see the economic reversal take place. Then we see the pouring out of the Holy Spirit happening. And then verses 30 to 32 It says, and I will display wonders in the sky, on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. And the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Well, this is the harvest of souls. And it's going to be a harvest of both Jews and Gentiles. The new wine, that's an intoxication and being possessed by the life of Christ. 
Not just born of the Spirit, but possessed by his life, his nature, his character, giving him full and total control. That if he says, go this way, you'll go that way. If he says, do this, you'll do that. That whatever he says, that's what you'll do. You're going to give him the total control. Isn't that right? Escaping. That there will be those who escape. Well, how do you escape? Through the rapture. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, pray that you will be able to escape that which is coming upon the earth. Isn't that right? Escaping from the judgment. When you got born again, Jesus became Lord of your life. Jesus said you were moved out of judgment. Your works will be judged, but you won't be judged. You don't lose heaven because of bad works. You'll lose rewards. Isn't that right? Escaping this perverse generation. I don't know about you, but it seems to be getting worse and worse. That you won't be judged with the world. You don't want to be judged with the world. We want out at the right time and take as many with us as we can. Amen. It's a time of harvest of grain being cleansed from the chaff to finance the great harvest of souls who are possessed by the new wine. It's a harvest of oil to take hold of, showing forth the excellencies of him that has called us out of darkness so that we can then go forth and reap the ripe fruit. What have you been believing for? What have you been standing for? What have you been meditating on in the word of God? What are you renewing your mind to? Confessing, calling forth, expecting with Bible hope that it's going to be exactly the way God said. What are you making demands for in your confession and in your life? What are you plugging into on a regular basis? Have you heard the sound of it coming? Because it is harvest time. It is harvest time. And it's time to start hearing those things coming your way. Don't be short-sighted and just think, you know, well, we're only talking about money. Like we've always said, if you hear the word prosperity and all you think about is money, you're very short-sighted and probably got a poverty mentality. Prosperity is about life. What the heck good is it to have millions of dollars and you're dying of something that they have no cure for? What good is your money? It's not about money. It's about everything. A good life, good health, good money, a good relationship, a good marriage, everything. It's about everything. Because everything touches everything. Amen. Amen. Look in Isaiah 48, Isaiah 48, 17. I'm so afraid to move up here. I might knock something over. (laughs) I have to preach like I'm in a wash pan. (laughs) Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. The word profit means to confer or gain benefit and profit, to furnish the slightest benefit in any area. He teaches you to furnish the slightest benefit in any area. Doesn't matter if it's an economic thing, if it's a vision thing, if it's a purpose thing, success And betterment is what's on God's mind for you. That you would excel and that you would be useful to the master. Amen. 
Amen. You know, like we've always said, you know, your purpose on the earth could be the best parent that God wants you to be. Because you're going to raise your child who's going to have a child that's going to be an evangelist and touch the world. I mean, you don't know. You never think that you're not involved in anything. Never think that there's nothing for you to do. There's always an involvement that God wants you to be involved in. He didn't send you here on accident. He sent you here before with purpose. Before he even formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you, appointed you, and anointed you for a specific purpose in life. Nobody was born on accident. Your flesh might have been an accident, but not you. Amen. Hallelujah. He teaches us so that we can learn that we'll be exercised in, that we can have expert instruction and really learn skillful about how to profit. See, that's why we get taught the Word of God, so that we can excel, be useful, succeed in His purpose and vision for our life. That's why we hear the Word of God. We don't come to church hoping, well, God will smile on us this week because I sat in church. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, my parents took me to church. And uh, by the time I was 12 years old, I was done. I had it. Um, and we would go to church and we'd hear about how you're supposed to live and all that. And then the church would have BYOB dances. That would be bring your own booze. So my parents didn't have a babysitter for me, so they'd bring us. And we'd watch everybody get snorkeled, fall over, you know, grab everybody else's wife, and just all kinds of stuff going on. And then go to church again and hear about how you're supposed to live. I was like, yeah, I'm done. This is not not working. And um, I wasn't going to go to church to try to make God happy because I learned a long time ago, according to the way the, that they taught us, is that unless you're a saint, you're not going to heaven. Yeah. Which means you have to live a perfect life. And the Pope has to then, okay, so now you know what religion I'm talking about. <laughs> And then the Pope has to declare you to be a saint. The Pope didn't even know my name. So I knew that isn't going to happen. I knew I couldn't live good enough to be a saint. And so no matter what happens, I'm going to go to what they said was purgatory to pay for my sins. So I figured, well, I, I'm, that's it. You know, there's no way. I'm going to go, and uh, I'll never be a saint. So I might as well go for something good. And I certainly wasn't going to make believe by sitting in church or make believe by even paying money to the church I was not going to make believe and um, I wouldn't have anything to do with church because nobody ever taught me what the word of God said nobody ever helped me about living in the word of God nobody ever showed me how to take that word and apply it into my life so that it can become a living reality instead of a dead theology. And that's what it's supposed to be, a living reality. The Word of God is to be a living reality. It is not a religious function. It's all about relationship. Isn't that right? 
Amen. Glory to God. He wants to teach us to profit. Hallelujah. That is God's desire for us. He'll teach you to profit and lead you in the way you should go. So the word of God teaches you. The Holy Spirit leads you. He'll teach you, but then he'll lead you in the things he taught you. Amen. This is God's desire for us. What way should we go on his path? What happens on his path? It drips fatness, as tells us in Psalms. He gives expert instruction. Isn't that right? How many times you ever got instruction from God and then you decided to add to it and figure it out yourself? Yeah. And then figure out what it is you needed to do and you're like, this ain't working. Amen. So he gives us instruction and teaches us so that we can really learn and be skillful. If we don't go that way, it's not his fault. He doesn't say he'll teach you to profit and force you to walk in his way. He said he'll lead you. To lead you means he stands before you and says, come on, come on, come this way. Just follow me. Come on, come this way. If you decide to go that way, that's not his fault. And he'll stand there and he'll just wait for you to come back. And sometimes he'll call and go, you want to come back? Get on, you know, get over here. You know. But he leads. What's our job? Follow. If we don't follow, he's not going to force us. Because you have free will. The greatest gift you have is free will. Too many times we want to go our own way. And yet we want the manifestations of what God says, but we don't want to develop with his life. And it, this happens all the time. Because you can't have what his life promises unless you develop in his life. This is not like a financial seminar. Do these three steps and you'll be okay. It's a lifestyle. It's like dieting. A worse subject. But you can diet and lose a lot of weight. But if you've never changed your lifestyle, guess what? It's coming back. The only way it stays off is if you change your lifestyle. And the only way the garbage of the world stays off you is when you change your lifestyle. It may attack you, but it can't hold you. Amen. And we have authority over those things. Isn't that right? Amen. Faithfulness to the little is the result of the inward quality of the inner man is what brings profit and produces benefits. Faithfulness to the little is a result of the inward quality of the inner man. The inner man cannot, cannot be faithless to anything. It has to be faithful. Isn't that right? Amen. He leads us by what is on the inside of us. So the more I grow in his word, the more things in me grow. The more things in me grow, the more he can lead me in this life. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8. See, he wants us full of grain, new wine, and oil. He really wants to get that to us. But he can't do it for us. He provides it for us. He tells us and teaches us how to take hold of it, but then it's up to us. 
Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 17. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. And beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses, not cheap houses, good houses. He wants you to build good houses. When you have built good houses and you lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, this is just your possessions multiply, your silver and gold multiplies, economic increase, and all that you have multiplies. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt or brought you out of the world and out of the house of slavery. And he led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, a thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you and do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. Amen. So he says to beware, beware that when things get good, that you would forget the Lord. He, the word beware means to guard it. Keep it safe, protect it, be a watchman over things. Observe the covenant and the commandments of God. God doing his word and don't be forgetful by being ungrateful. If we forget and not do his word and become proud thinking I've done all this, I've made all of this possible, I've made all of this happen. I don't need that word anymore. I'm too busy for church. I'm too busy to hear the teaching of the word anymore. And, you know, sometimes we may not say that, but we may act it. It's about forgetting about his plan, forgetting about his life, his task, and use his blessings to live for our own self. You know, in the blessing of God, God wants you to use the blessings for the things that he wants you to do. But you know what? There's enough left over to take care of you. You can feed the 50,000, but there'll be 12 baskets left over, you know. Don't be like Peter, but what will be left for us? <laughs> Amen. Verse 18. He says, uh, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. That he, will, he has given you the power to make wealth. He's not doing this because you merit it or that you're worthy of it. But he's done it very simply to confirm his covenant. He said it, he'll confirm it. He watches over his word to perform it. Confirms his word with signs following. Isn't that right? Amen. So it's very simple. He made the promise and he's going he's gonna to work that promise. Has nothing to do with us. He made the oath to our fathers, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made the promises. And if you are Abraham's seed, because you're in Christ, then you're an heir according to the promise. Amen. Hallelujah. So when the establishment of the covenant had already commenced and Israel had come through the desert to the border of Canaan, it's the same as it is today. 
There is no difference. We come out of the world, which was Egypt was a type of the world. We've come out, and now we're in the land of promise. Amen. I've given you the power, the strength, the ability, and the might to make wealth. Hallelujah. But you shall remember the Lord your God. Well, how do you remember? Well, part of the definition of the word remembering is to celebrate, is to make mention, and to be mindful of the things that he's done. What, what did we read in Joel? The Lord has done great things, you know, and um, we have to be mindful of those things. The more you celebrate, the more you're going to remember. The more you mention the Lord as the one who bestows the blessing, the more you're going to remember the more mindful you will be of him, the more mindful that will be of guarding to God doing his word. Keep it safe, preserve it, and build a hedge around our heart so that the word can't get stolen. Parable of the sower, three out of four, seed was stolen. Isn't that right? You got to keep it. You got to protect it. Don't let it get stolen away from you. The word is truth. It's not true. It's truth. It means it's unchangeable. The word is unchangeable. All your circumstances may be true facts, but everything you deal with in life is changeable. It's changeable. Everything's changeable. It may be a certain way now, but it's changeable because of the truth of the word of God. Amen. You know, money in the natural realm is the anointing of the flesh. It empowers us to do things that others cannot do. The more money you might have, the more money, the more things you might be able to do. But the danger of it is you think you can do things without God. Psalm 84 says that he withholds no good thing from those that walk uprightly before him. Proverbs 13 says the righteous are rewarded with prosperity. We are righteous in spirit when we got born again. We get righteous in our soul as it starts to get renewed, and we get righteous in the natural realm as we live God's life. That righteousness should touch every area of our life. Isn't that right? Amen. Proverbs 14 says, the man that walks in his uprightness fears and reverences the Lord. So how do we fear and reverence the Lord? In our words, in our choices, in our decisions. In fellowshipping with others and choosing who it is we fellowship with. How about the TV shows we watch? How about the movies we go to? Do we walk in uprightness and walk and live in God's manner? Because that's where the blessing resides. You know, when we choose to compromise, we don't understand the blessing of God. What we speak, what we put before our eyes, what we think about, the plans we make, the friends we have. Need to keep everything in proper perspective and have the right priorities. I've known people that would say to me things like this. Well, you know, God's told me to run full steam, to go out there and save the world. And he wants me to preach. He wants me to evangelize and do all these things. And I'm believing God for the finances to do that. I'm doing the necessary steps. And I know increases are coming my way. Glory to God. I'm going to do the, what God wanted me to do. But they can't seem to hear God when God tells them about forgiving. 
They can't seem to hear God when God says, you know, you need to love your spouse. They can't seem to hear God when God's telling them, you need to take care of your children. But because they have this great plan of grandeur, they think the spouse and kids are getting in their way. I can't do what I want to do, what, what I'm supposed to do. They're in my way. They're holding me back. They're holding me down. They have a prophetic word, so-called prophetic word, to do great things. But they actually have a pathetic word just in the windmills of their mind. Now, certainly God can call you to preach, call you to evangelize, call you to do all kinds of things, never to leave your family behind. Amen. If your family can't keep up with you, slow down. Your family's more important than anything. Family came first. And then these folks wonder, how come we don't grow? How come we don't prosper? How come we don't increase? Because everything's out of order. You got the wrong priorities, the wrong goals. And when you have wrong priorities and wrong goals, prosperity will always fail. He gave us the power to make wealth. He teaches us to profit. Let me tell you something. Paying your bills is not wealth. Paying your bills is relief. It's not wealth. It's relief. The Word of God says too much about prosperity. In fact, the Word of God talks more about prosperity than it does about salvation. I don't know if you know that. But the Word of God talks too much about prosperity. Amen. Talks too much about increase, about abundance, about the fatness dripping on you. Talks too much about it. Jesus didn't go to hell, pay the price, shed his blood, die on that cross so you could pay your bills. He came to give you an abundant life in every area of life. Amen. It's time to get full of grain, new wine, and oil. To have proper motives, fulfill God's plan in your life. Not only in our life, but on the earth and his people. Amen. God has great plans. God is trying to get great things into your hand. But God wants you to keep your perspective right, your motive right, your attitude right, and keep him first. And if you will be the distribution center that he wants you to be, instead of hogging everything out for yourself, you'll see things flow through you. And there'll be more than enough left over to take care of you. Because that's just the way he is. He's a rewarder of those. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Father, we bless you and we honor you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you're more than enough. That in everything and in anything, that we can look to you, trust in you, lean on you. We can trust your word, Father. We can take that word, meditate on it, ponder it, think about it, get it in our heart, get it in our mouth, get it in our life. Have it be the source of our decisions and choices that we do. Let it set the path that we need to walk in. For your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Well, Father, I just thank you so much that there is not one thing in your word that is outside of the realm of human existence, but your word covers it all. And I thank you, Father, that revelation of your word is what the enemy cannot overpower. 
Father, I just thank you for it. We bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody declare it. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So as we uh, receive the offering this morning, you know, we know the promises of the Word of God about tithes and offerings and seed sowing and reaping and harvesting and the things that He wants to do through the seed. Isn't that right? But we don't just drop a buck in the bucket when the bucket comes by or however we do that, you know. But it's all about faith. It's about believing what the Word of God says and setting our trust on what His Word says. You know, the Word of God makes no sense to the human mind. Proverbs says there's one that scatters and yet increases all the more. There's one that waters and will himself be watered. The generous person will be prosperous. You know, and the Word of God always says if you want to grow in life, you got to give. Because if you give, you get it back. And I know that many of us have proven that. We've seen God work in those areas of our life. And he's always faithful to perform his word and watch over it when we set our faith on what his word says. Amen. Amen. And as we approach 2023, I want you to look to the Holy Spirit through this month about sowing a significant seed toward the supply of the upcoming year. You know, another year's coming. Now, this is what we do at the end of every year. We sow a seed into the upcoming year. And give God the more than enough, an entrance, the God of more than enough, the entrance into our 2023 living. And we always do this at the end of every year, my wife and I, and we always look to sow and, um, into the upcoming year and expecting God to lay out the path, supply the need, supply, and it all comes through the seed. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. Thank you and praise you, Father, that you are more than enough in all areas, that you are El Shaddai, you are Jehovah Jireh. Father, I just thank you so much for your provision. I thank you so much that you have come in the human form of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we could have an abundance, that as our soul would continue to prosper so health will increase in our life and prosperity will continue to grow father we thank you for it praise you for that in jesus name amen 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 if you need an envelope for credit card or cash giving there's an envelope on the seat back in front of you if you're making out a check you can just make it out to new life if you joined us on live stream or podcast thanks so much for being with us today and we do appreciate your partnership with us, and we thank you and, uh, for allowing us the privilege of sharing the Word of God with you this day. And I do pray that the Word has touched you right where you're at and brought increase into your thinking and into your perception that will ultimately touch your everyday walking around life. If you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry, you can go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net. And click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. Amen.